Listening Dog Media. The Hot Mess Mum. The mum most likely to send her kids to school in regular clothes on non-school uniform day. The mum who forgets to sign the permission slip for school trips. The mum who has probably put leftovers in her kids' lunchbox on more than one occasion. But most importantly, the Hot Mess Mum is actually rocking it and is doing a far better job than even she thinks. Please welcome our Hot Mess Mums, telling it as it is, Kelly and Jenny Powell. It is the Hot Mess Mums Club podcast. I'm Kelly Pegg. And I'm Jenny Powell. And today's guest, we've got a Hot Mess Mum's son. We, we've got a man today. Uh, it is the lovely <laughs> Baz Morgan. We've got hands on a man. Hooray, Kelly. Hi, Baz. Hi. You're so gracious accepting all these sort of like wild and crazy introductions. Are you all right with your headphones? Is that better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's much better. I can hear you perfectly. We're delighted to be working with Swan throughout 2021. Later on, we'll be telling you all about their amazing retro range of beautiful homeware products. To check them out, just head to swanbrand.co.uk and use the discount code HOTMESSMOMS20 for 20% off. The Hot Mess Mums Club with Swan. You're so posh for someone off Towie. I know everyone always says that to me. Do you know what? I (laughs) I hate to be so predictable, but coming from Essex, I was like, what? (laughs) I know, I know. Um... No, I also grew up in Woodford. You went to school there, right? In Woodford? Yeah, I did. Woodford County High School for girls. Yeah, I grew up in Woodford. But um, I think I just trained myself to lose the Essex accent. Do you know what? I did the same. Yeah, and I've been travelling to LA so much. I think when you go to LA, people are like, oh my God, you're from London. Do you you know the Queen? I'm like, uh, (laughs) yeah. So then I, I like sort of like, spoke posher because they wanted that so I think it's just my accent just sort of like just become posh because I made it yeah it is possible because um when I look back in the day like when I started in telly I was 16 I came from Ilford you don't get more Essex in Ilford do you Vaz yeah no. <laughs> I know like and, like and um my kids who are sort of Cheshire girls like mummy um uh, someone said that you used to speak like those people off Towie. And I was like, well, I did. And then I show them like these ancient YouTube videos and they're just like horrified. No offense to Essex because obviously I was born and bred there. But um, yeah, it's weird. But I kind of adapted it as well. I just think for work, uh, I was sort of told, you know, you've got to sort that accent out, which is bizarre because now it's um, it's all the rage, obviously. But um, yes, I'm very pleased to meet you, Vaz, and my friend Kelly Beggars as well. <laughs> Pleased to meet you both too. I think we're, we're, five, we're five minutes in and he's like, what the hell am I doing on this? <laughs> what? what? Why, why didn't Paddy tell me? How did it start I, for I you? How, how did you get into Towie and everything? How did that start? Because you don't, not just the accent, but you don't seem the typical type either, if you don't mind me saying so. And I mean that in a nice way, but... Um... Honestly, I have such a like diverse life and such a diverse group of friends that um, although I don't seem Towie, I am very Essex in, in some ways because I was born and raised there. And if you meet my sisters, you'll realise like my sister, like, it starts to come out. My sisters speak very Essex, so when I go home, I, I start to sound more and more Essex. But basically, in season one, I met with the producers um, because I was just out and about in Essex so much when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a celebrity blog, which was kind of like, sort of like bubbling a bit. And I was really close friends with Rochelle. She used to be Wiseman, now Humes. 
and Vanessa White from the Saturday. So people sort of like knew who I was as their friends. So I was always like popping up on the main online, like hanging behind them kind of thing. So the producers caught wind of me <laughs> and um, reached out to me as like, we're fighting this show in Essex and we'd love to like talk to you. So I met with them. I did loads of screen tests and then they like cast me for the show. But at the time I was in the closet and I wasn't comfortable with my sexuality and I had like a girlfriend and mm. I just thought I can't really go on TV pretending to be straight like with a girlfriend. Like it's just going to be ridiculous. So one day, like just before filming, I sort of just disappeared and never did it. But I was already really close friends with Lauren Pope. Um, so I'd met all the producers and met all the casting team and all that stuff. And then around season 10, 11, an issue, uh, a fight happened at my house between Lauren and Chloe Sims and they fell out. And I was sort of integral to the storyline of them two falling out. So the producers called me up and they was like, we would love you to come on just to close this storyline of them two falling out because it's not making any sense without you being involved and mm -hmm. also lauren then had fallen out with chloe sims and didn't feel comfortable filming that story with anyone else so she asked me to come on and film just to close that storyline and at that time i was sort of much more comfortable with who i was and thought okay i'm ready to go on tv the show was like had blown up so i was like it would yeah. be stupid to to not go on it now so i decided to go on for what was meant to be two episodes in marbella and ended up staying on it for like seven wow. eight seasons and how did that work with your talk about coming out? So when you did go on it and, and stay on it for all those seasons, were you open about your sexuality at that point? Had that all come out in your personal life? It hadn't come out to my family or a lot of my friends. I sort of built a whole new life. Instead of coming out, what I did is that I sort of like distanced myself from everyone that knew me as straight and made all new friends as a new gay person so i didn't have to come out i just sort of met them as gay so that was sort of my new life um so actual people from my school and from my background although probably you know most people knew it was never a discussion and i never came out to anyone until i did the scene on tawi uh, i think you've you've spoken about this a lot and i know it's probably boring but so your mum didn't know, um, and I know from your background, you know, the odds were kind of against you just from the culture that you'd come from and, you know, just the culture we were all in uh, at that point even, um, you know, because it's taken, it's still small steps, isn't it? Um, I think mm -hmm. it's quite ridiculous, actually. But um, so, you know, for you and your mum, how's, you know, how did that go down? How, how did your mum cope with it? She's still coping with it, to be honest. Right. Um, my mum's, you know, she's almost 70 years old, born and raised in Jamaica, moved to England as a refugee at 25. Her cultural background is being gay means you're going straight to hell. You know, mm -hmm. she would rather anything but that. So having a gay son, she's had to sit, sort of relearn and sort of like raise herself again with whole new, whole new beliefs. And that's just very difficult, but she loves me so much. She's sort of forcing herself to do it because she had the idea and probably still has the idea that it's a choice and I wasn't mm -hmm. born this way and my surroundings and the people I've chosen to hang out with and the celebrity culture has influenced my sexuality, not because I was born this way. And I think that's partly my fault for waiting so long to have the conversation. So it's sort of like, where's this come from at 25? You know, I was like, actually, I've, thought the, I've had these feelings since I was 14. I was just scared to talk about them. And mm -hmm. um, so now she's just, we sort of just don't talk about it, but she knows she knows what it is, what it is. And she's now at the point where I'm 32 years old and she's seen me alone for the last 32 years. And she's worried, you know, with all my brothers and sisters having kids and, and 
partners that I'm going to die alone. So now she's like, okay, I finally think this is my fault that you're alone. So I'd rather you be with anyone or anything than be alone. So mm-hmm. I think that's her way of coming to terms with it. And do you think she'd be up for you having children as well in a, yeah. in a gay relationship? I don't think she wants me to have children in a gay relationship, but she definitely wants me to have children. Okay. So there's still a lot of sort of like mountains to climb, aren't they? But that's always the way, you know. My my parents are South African, right? And they lived it through apartheid as Cape Colours, yeah. And they ended up in Essex. I think a lot of this resonates with me, actually. You know, my dad's 93, my mum's 88. South Africans, Colours, come to this country back in the 50s, you know. And their culture and all their beliefs are so very different. And um, I think, you know, you have to respect like your mum and the generation and the culture she's come from. Some things are very hard you know and I always look at my dad and say God, I can't believe how you've adapted you know and you take it for granted Vaz you know sometimes you think wow you know I've got to take a step back actually because you've got to think what their childhood and and where they've come from for them to accept even the small things that we take for granted in our culture is massive so you know it is small steps with your mum I reckon I'm getting all pater- maternal now aren't I? I'm like giving your mum advice on your mum although I'm black and Caribbean and my whole family are that I was surrounded by so many different cultures and influences from a very young age you know the corner shop guy was Indian and my best yeah. friend at school was Asian like mm-hmm. I was I was in a predominantly white neighborhood like Woodford is like there was hardly anyone black there so yeah. I was influenced by so many different cultures that my my sole influence wasn't from home. Whereas my mum, when she moved to Jamaica from Jamaica to England, she surrounded herself in Jamaican cultures. You know, she, she all her friends, all her all, all her family were all black Jamaican. I don't think my mum even has many multicultural friends. So her sole influence was the same as from being home. So yeah. she's only learning new cultures and new things from me, and like mm-hmm. from such a, a late age. So it's still so difficult for her today. Yeah, I mean, and. and and it's also, as well as the, the cultural thing, which is huge, obviously, it is a generation thing. So, you know, my nan's 89 and my brother's gay. He came out when he was 15. And um, I knew when he was six. Do you know what I mean? When we were small, I, I had a feeling and I knew. And it was no shock to me. But him and my nan have never sat down and had a conversation so he lives with his partner. His partner is lovely. Um, we have family dinners, not COVID, obviously, but, you know, normal times. And it, they're both godfathers to my children and everything and all of that. But the, the the conversation has never been said between them. So, and he won't discuss it with her. So if it was me, I'd have to sit her down and say, that's my partner and you need to know. But he... I don't know. He just can't and he won't. And we don't talk about it. And and it's, it's strange, but she knows if that makes sense. I don't know. She knows. And, and I don't think she cares because as long as he's happy and a bit like what you were saying about being alone, I think that's a big thing for her. She wants him to have somebody that, you know, that's fine, but it's almost like she can't wrap her head around being gay it wasn't in her generation and he can't have that conversation with her for whatever reason it's very strange um so it is very difficult you know yeah you're gorgeous though Vaz. why haven't you got a boyfriend then what's going on i'm just gonna cut to the chase <laughs> i genuinely believe that i have such a problem dealing with my own now internalized homophobia that i don't feel comfortable yet right like right. it's still a growing thing for myself. Like, although now my family, like I'm, I'm 
best friends with both my sisters and and my brother and we're super super close and they 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 will be so okay and they encourage me to have a boyfriend and to 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 live mm. my life to the fullest i still wouldn't feel comfortable bringing a boy to my family and being like this is okay. my boyfriend just because of the deep rooted like stuff i've told myself and like with my sexuality, I do believe I was my own worst enemy because, like, everyone would have it, well, besides from my mum, but everyone else would have accepted and did accept straight away. But it was just me accepting myself was the issue. So mm. although I still feel like I accept myself now, there's still a part of me that probably don't because I would never, like, speak about a boyfriend with anyone in my family. Right, okay. That's so these are things, isn't it? Yeah, you it know, is, that's isn't gonna, it? Because it's you take it for granted, don't you? That you can say anything to your to your family, and and mm-hmm. you know you can talk about that part of your life very openly. When you feel like you can't, it, you know that must be hard. Yeah. And I think the ironic thing is, like, you're we're all chatting, like, you know, you're so open and you're, you know, you're up for chatting, isn't it? Isn't it the ironic thing, though? On this podcast, about honest to God, I talk about so much stuff that I would never talk about to my other half or my family. It's bizarre how it works. Um, yeah. So I respect what you're saying completely, um, and and also I respect you. You you really are quite an activist, and you, you know, you've you've got your finger in a lot of pies. I mean, you know, there was the um, I am enough campaign. Um, you've got your Vaz Morgan um, Foundation. So many things, so many layers, um, and that's really what you're all about. I, th- I think for you, Tawi was just like, eh. but you know, there's there's a lot going on, isn't there? Yeah, I just feel like I'm so blessed and so privileged in so many ways of um, that I should share that with others, and you know. I, I'm such an empath anyway. When people reach out to me or when I go to certain countries and I see so much pain and devastation, I get this overwhelming feeling to help as much as I can. And I think it's so easy to use my platform to just put out a few posts that's going to make such a big difference to so many people. I don't think it took much effort for me to raise money for great courses. So why not do it? Mm. You know? I saw the picture of you with um, Paris Hilton. That looks so cool, by the way. I mean, it, I love dressing up, and that was like that was heaven to me. Um, and that was over in LA. And you spend a lot of time over there, don't you? I do. I own a fashion magazine, and it's based in LA, so we shoot mostly in LA. I love the way you just say that. I own a fashion magazine. Yeah, I shoot in LA. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. Paris is always the most fun. Oh, really? She's so, so fun. It's like if you watch every single reality show that she's ever featured in and times that by 10, that is definitely her at all times. Like she plays the perfect character all the time. Yeah. Do you, you know, you say she plays a perfect character. What do you think she's really like then? Do you think there's something else going on? Deep down, she's very, she's very sensitive, I think, and very gentle. Mm-hmm. And um, she's very, she's very smart, very intuitive. You know, she, she knows what she's doing and she she she's just a really magical person i can't really explain it but she's just such a, a great spirit and amazing to be around do you prefer the cul- do you prefer the culture over in la to here you know because like we know people i've got a friend who was an actor and he moved over there and you know obviously the weather's a lot better and but then you hear the other side of it with people saying you know it's quite a difficult place to live what do you prefer? Do you sort of, are you 50-50 or do you love it a little bit more over there than the UK? I love the, I love the, the weather. I'm such a sun chaser. I hate the cold yeah. of England. Yeah. I do love 
the thing is, I think the problem that people find with LA is the culture is very fake and it's very um, superficial and it's very surface-based relationships that you find. But in the industry I am in, in the UK, it's the same sort of people anyway. So mm. as long as you know your way, how to navigate around those people and you know how to protect yourself and not give your full self to that energy, then yes. I think you're fine. Like, mm. you just find your circle and you focus on that circle. If you're chasing that sort of fake energy and you're giving off that energy, that's what you will receive no matter where you are in the world. It doesn't matter exactly. where you are. So there are very real people. I've got great friends over in LA who I'm very close with. And there also are very fake people in the UK. What I do love about America is that they're, I, I personally find that they're way more uplifting and inspiring and encouraging yeah. of success. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the UK, I think they're way more negative and way more wanting to tear you down from success than the US are. So if you're yeah. doing well in America, like people around you will clap for you. If you're doing well in the UK, I find personally, people can't wait to drag that away from you. Yeah. Yeah. They're very proud Americans, aren't they? They're, they're sort of proud of their heritage, their culture. They're very, you know, they sort of are not ashamed to shout about it. Very patriotic. And I think they're like that with success as well. And then over here, we're all sort of, oh, no, don't brag, because if you brag, that's not a good thing. And if you're doing well, that's not a good thing. And the media just love to pull holes in you. So I think it's a shame we're like that, but we are. I tell you who loves LA. I don't know. You know Denise well. She's like my best friend. Yeah, oh, well, I don't know her personally. But. Oh, you should. You know what? I'm going to hook you up with her. She loves LA and she's got, like you say, she knows how to work it over there. Um, and, you know, she recognises that in the business that she's in and we're all in, you know, that uh, it can be very fickle and fake and actually quite mm. toxic. But she knows how to weave her way around and she's got a great set of friends out there, you know. Um, and just the way you were talking about it, you seem to get it like she does. And, um, you know, hopefully you'll be able to get back there soon. Um, and yeah, just, I've seen you know, her a few times in LA actually, like just inside her house and stuff, just like sat. Oh, I love I'm it. Like, when <laughs> yeah, I've seen her a few times and be like, I want to say hi, but I'm not going to be that person that's going to be like, hi. <gasps> Look, I've given you a passport to say <laughs> hello to me, Denise yeah, Welsh. I'm going to be like, hi, I'm Bestie Jenny. to Jenny. <laughs> you can say, I'm Bestie to Jenny. She'll go, well, uh, well, bloody hell, you're not, because I'm her best friend. What are you talking about? I try and do a Geordie accent on every single podcast, by the way, Vaz, but it's just for Denise, really. But yeah, that's fantastic, because I could just see you two together, actually. So when you, you know, you need a bit of love and a bit of support over there, Denise will be the one for you. I can see it all going on now. Right. It's be perfect. The Hot Mess Mums Club with Swan. Celebrating 90 years of magic moments. More of a chat with Vaz coming up. But first, let's have a quick chat about our friends at Swan. For any new listeners, Swan is an amazing British homeware company whose products are all very Instagram friendly. One range in particular stands out as a must-have if you want your home looking fresh this year, and that's their retro range. Included in the range are coffee machines, microwaves, fridges, mugs, air fryers, and so much more. To check out these and more, just head to swanbrand.co.uk. Use the discount code HOTMESSMUMS20 for 20% off. The Hot Mess Mums Club with Swan. Designed for life. So, um... So at the moment, obviously, we've you know life has changed quite a lot for all of us. So um, just in general, you know, how are you coping? It's a predictive, you know, it's a predictable question, but it's one that has to be asked. I think. Honestly, I am actually good. I'm fine. I'm I'm surviving. I'm waking up every morning, breathing. 
I have so much to be grateful for, so much to be happy for. And although the whole world's in turmoil in my little space, I'm doing okay. People are doing way worse and I'm very, I'm very grateful. And I think that gratitude makes me very happy. Mm -hmm. I'm not in a bad place. Like, um, I feel more connected than ever before to the world. So I think that's what I'm happy about. I think this virus has been hell. We've seen such devastating loss. We've seen such devastating pain, but through that pain, we've learned strength and we've learned hope mm. and we've learned togetherness. You know, we've learned that that we don't need to, we don't need to, socially distancing is very different to actually distancing, you know, just because I can't be near you doesn't mean I can't connect with you. Like doing things like this podcast has made me realize that you can connect with the world more than ever before. Like when would I, any of us been sat here talking like yeah. it was a pandemic, you know, and when would, I've, I've spent so many hours talking to people that I'd never usually connect with and actually finding out how people are genuinely feeling mm. when I wouldn't be before. I'd just be like busy off around the world and I would just be focusing on myself. But this has allowed me time to focus on others way more than I ever have before. So I'm doing okay through focusing on others. That is that's so well put, you know, what you've just said. It's um it's this inner connection that we would have been far too distracted mm -hmm. for otherwise. Um and you seem you seem a good soul and you've got a good karma and I'm sure that's what attracts a lot of people to you. Look at you smile and the most gorgeous smile ever. Are you sure you're gay? <laughs> Thank Hello. you. No, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Recently, I've been like learning how to accept compliments because it's, it's such a difficult task. I think for everyone, when people say something nice, you're like, oh, no, and you try and give a compliment back. But I've learning to sort of like listen and take it on board. So thank you so much. No, I mean it as well. But um, she, does. Also, she doesn't say anything she doesn't mean. <laughs> no, and also, do you know, it's pay a compliment day today. Oh, yeah. I actually said today on an article, an interview, I said it shouldn't be, it should be accept a compliment day because people are so shit at accepting compliments. They can't they do it. They it's can't. Bizarre. And that's because of insecurities. Yes. And when you look we deeply. Don't believe them. No. Whereas I think, like you said, you go to LA, I bet people are like, hell yeah, I'm great. Hell yeah, thanks. I know yeah. that already. You know, but here we never do that. We sort of go, yeah, I know you like this dress. Yeah, we say this dress, but no, I actually got it for 40 quid instead of 400. And, you know, it's sort of, you know, and we're always trying to sort of um, play things down um, instead of celebrating, you know, who we are and what we are. Um, and I think, like you say, it's all down to insecurity. Um and I'm just amazed because for someone like you who has been through so much, you know, rejection, abuse, sort of, you know, self-doubt, booze, drugs, everything, um, for you to, you know, first of all, go through the whole TOWIE process and that whole reality show thing, yeah, which, by mm -hmm. the way, I'm not, my kids aren't allowed to watch any of those shows. My, my daughter, it was really funny. We, we, um, I banned Love Island and then I had to do this do with um, Charlie Brake. <laughs> <laughs> and she came and she was like, he was like, oh, hi, Connie. And I was like, yeah, this is my daughter. And he went, oh, hi, Connie. And she went, I wasn't allowed to watch Live Line, actually. And I went, oh, you're off that thing. Oh, God, no, I wouldn't let you, would have, Connie? Never allowed you to watch that play show, did I? No, I didn't. So <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. But, <laughs> but, um, but, but, you know, you, you've been through all that. And then to go through something like a reality show on national television, especially in the UK, it takes some going. So you have got it in you. You've got that, that, that inner strength, that confidence. It's just bringing it out, isn't it? 
It is. And honestly, when I first signed up for TOWIE, it was very early on into social media. So we didn't realize the effects or mm. you know, instant, instant responses when you're on TV. Um, so I wasn't as prepared as I would like to be. I, think, I guess people now going on to Love Island know exactly what they're going to get. Whereas when TOWIE sort of started, no, we didn't know like what yeah. was going on. Nobody knew the success. No one knew what social media was. Twitter had only just launched. Like Instagram only launched when I joined. So I didn't realize how much they would intertwine and people could watch an episode and then give me their opinion directly to my yeah. phone instant, yeah. instantly. I would, I would be on screen at like 9 p.m. I'd come off, I'd look at my phone, I'd have, you know, four, 5,000 tweets and a million, uh, from people like telling me their opinion and consuming opinions, whether they be good or bad, in, in that magnitude is not healthy for anyone. No. Do, you, do you feel so, that in those positions you have people that, you know, are part of the show that take care of you, that sort of say you can go to when that's going on and, and make you aware of that? Or did you feel completely alone with sort of dealing with that and, you know, having the sort of a, abuse sometimes and the negative comments? I think the networks do put care in place, but... Mm it's very difficult to sort of navigate your way through that care and to accept it or to ask for it because mm. I don't think it's like grilled on you enough how important the care is and to accept yeah. the care. So th there was always someone I was told was available for me to talk to, but it just sort of wasn't a priority when it should have been. Yeah. It's hard to explain. No, I don't no, I they don't have anyone there because they do but it's yeah. not enough no mm. and, and it's almost like isn't it that it's and probably not so much things like you say it just started it had just become this big thing twitter and instagram but i think mm -hmm. now it's almost like well it's there and if you're on there you have to accept it deal with it because that's what's going to happen you're going to get people that say this to you you're going to get people that put those comments on and I think we learned with like Caroline Flack and things like that it's not acceptable it doesn't matter who you are you shouldn't have to deal with it you know no you shouldn't and my whole thing what I always say is everyone's entitled to an opinion but no one's entitled to share it yes <laughs> I like that <laughs> yeah We'll take that. You know, like, no one gives you that entitlement to share your opinion. Mm. Yeah, you don't like me. That's okay. But tell your friend. You don't need to tell me. But yeah. you've got a million people probably in your life who you could express that opinion to. You don't need to express it on social media. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I swipe past, past on my Instagram and don't agree with. The last thought in my mind would be to comment that thought underneath the post. Yeah. It just wouldn't even cross my mind to do that. I would just keep going about my day. So it's just so bizarre that people take it amongst themselves to spread such negativity. And I, you know, I said in a post recently, negativity spreads faster than anything else online. You can Absolutely. post anything online. The minute you post something that's negative or that's bitchy or that, that is funny, it spreads so quickly. You know, it goes from all these meme pages to like, you know, a tragedy, anything. It just spreads so quickly when it's negative. And I think people need to just bear that in mind when they're using social media and they should use it a little bit more responsibly. Absolutely. I don't know, yeah. one, or I don't know one person in my entire life that has like a main online account to leave comments. I well, literally don't. So I don't know who these people are. Well, we no, were talking about that the other day. We actually had Denise Welsh on. She comes on a lot, obviously. She's friends with Jenny and she... Can't she get rid of her, to be honest. <laughs> and we were recording with her the other day and we were just talking about it. And she said it's sort of those days where you're like, oh, no, I shouldn't, but I'm going to just scroll down at the bottom of the article and have a look at what they've said about me. And she's like, she laughs about it. She said, I just sit there and read it all. And I'm like, oh, my God, how vile, you know. Mm. 
And I think she's probably at the stage in her life so where, crazy. yeah, she can do that. But if you're young yeah. like you and you're starting out like you were when you went into Towie, that's like being hit by a big truck getting a load of horrible abuse like that. It's, you know, you're not used to what it is until it happens. Um it's quite interesting because I suppose, again, you know, coming being young, sort of being 16, 17, when I was first sort of launched onto TV. And at the time, you know, there were only... F- Channel 4 started when I started, Vaz. That's how old I am, right? No way. Yeah. So it was the same year. So that's 35 years ago, okay? So picture it. There's no sky. There's no digital. There's no... There's not... You know, it's not sort of like diluted like it is now. So the viewings were very high. Just four channels. That was it. And uh, being a young, yeah, there were really being a young girl with my curly Essex perm and my sort of happy-go-lucky sort of like attitude to life, um, I bounced through those sort of um, those first years on TV, um, and. I was. I'm trying to compare it because obviously we didn't have social media then. We didn't even have a bloody mobile phone, to be honest. So no. I was oblivious, right? So the only the only sort of feedback you got. I'm just telling you out of interest because um, this would have been such a different world for you if you you know were doing what you're doing now. Um, the only uh, way you got to find out about your audience and or your fans was literally people would have to send letters to your agency, so they'd have to find out what agent you had and then write a letter either to the BBC or to your agent, um, you know, and then, and and it's so bizarre because it's such a different world now. And that's why I always have such sympathy or empathy for, for people now, young people who are sort of launched into fame, like you all have been, um, because I think, wow, it's just a whole different world. And, you know, you have to be um, prepared for it, at least know how to deal with it when it comes, you know, just like, like that big sort of, um, it's just like a rocket ball that just goes boom straight in your face, I presume, because I didn't really have that. So, you know, that's why I've got nothing but praise for somebody like you. Thank you. And it is really, it's really insane because I think this whole, like, these TV shows seem so glamorous and seem so amazing. And, you know, for some people they are and they work out to be incredible. But I don't think enough goes into warning, especially these new 19-year-olds that are going on TV, to warn them that exactly what they're getting themselves in for because it's not easy. And I I don't want to be one of these, like, privileged complainers because I've had such a blessed ride, like, in comparison. Mm. And I'm, I'm so... I'm so grateful that I did go on TV because it's given me the platform to be able to give back to the Vast Morgan Foundation. I am enough and to use that platform responsibly. But mm. I don't think enough warning goes into the fact that, hold on, you're going to be thrusted onto this massive show called Love Island. And, you know, you're going to become, you're going to get 3 million Instagram followers. You're going to be super famous. You're going to go off and do all these PAs and you're going to get all this negative hate. And then in six months time, no one's really going to care. And then you've got a sort of like, navigate your way through an industry clinging on to what's left and you're left with this this awkward situation of you do cringe things which gets you more hate but you actually need the money or Mm. you do nothing and you disappear and then you get even more hate because you've disappeared so you can't really win do you know what i mean and i just think it's really an awkward situation these reality stars that no one warns them about i've got to stop you there right I'm not being weird, but I'm a witch or something's going on, some magic around it. I'm not joking, right, everyone, but I've just got my mobile phone. I've got it on silent, right? But my daughter, 20, yeah, Connie, who's Mm. down in London, she said, I'm just about to have a call with an ITV producer. It's for Love Island. 
Oh, God. No. Well, you need I'm to ring joking. her now and tell her not no. to do it. I'm not joking, Vass. She she came on Loose Women with me and she's like, she's obviously, I'm not joking. Never talk about it. Nothing to, how weird is that? And you were just at that minute, you said the words Warning love kids against love. <laughs> So where do you see your five, we were saying, future yes. plan. You said your charity, Poverty in Africa, and and then we, we stopped. Yeah, the Poverty in Africa, is it, the magnitude of it is, is, is just so intense that I think a huge reason is because these kids don't have an, a chance to go to school and get education. So they're not able to get the better jobs, which will essentially get themselves out of the poverty. So the good jobs are given to expats. And the Africans remain poor. And mm. children start working from the age of seven because they can't go to school. They help out and they, you know, they're selling stuff on the street. They're doing whatever they can to bring money home and bring food on the table. So I feel like if these kids had a chance at education and better jobs, they could yeah. release themselves and their families from the poverty faster. So the schools there are so underprivileged. It's unbelievable. They don't have toilets. They don't have, uh, you know, accessories they don't have the stuff they need to learn so i currently have three schools in africa that i support and i'm in the process of building two of my own that can take on up to 200 students and give that education what they need wow. so that's a huge priority for me oh wow yeah. it's all about education there i think and um mm-hmm. I think, you know, as well, I think with the, the power that you obviously have through social media, the much as, you know, you can raise as much awareness as anyone, really. Um, and also, do you know what? Do you encourage people, younger people, to get involved and actually wake up, you know, people on, you know, this side of the world to wake up and, and like, literally get hands on and, and maybe get stuck in with building the schools, etc. I do. I do try and encourage as much as possible. The problem with the social media, unless it's something really dramatic that really hits people's emotions people don't genuinely just swipe past and this is like i said it's something negative so it's really hard to get actual people's attention to causes that are really important because people are more focused on what blah 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 from love island's wearing you know Mm. so i do try you've obviously got the maternal gene because you're talking about kids and charity and i always think and, and from a personal point of view as well that when you you are a person that really cares about young people um there's that maternal gene there for you. So is, you know, I, I know you said it's difficult at the moment, but do you see yourself with a family and having your own children one day? Honestly, I would love to have a, ch- a child today Aww. if it was possible. I always mm-hmm. say, like, I wish I was a woman because I would just literally go get <laughs> pregnant somehow right now. It's so difficult being a gay man. The thought of even having a child seems so far away because it's just such a huge challenge Mm-hmm. that I sort of put it aside, but it is something I would love. I'm so close to my nephews and my nieces and, you know, I love kids so much and I am definitely 100% ready to be a, a father, like, before anything else. But it's just, I've looked into so many avenues and it's just so difficult. Adoption so difficult as a single gay man. It's almost impossible. Um, finding a surrogate in the UK is almost impossible. Finding it in America, you need half a million dollars. Like, it's just, just every route, I seem to hit a brick wall. So if any list of your listeners have any advice for me, I would happily take that on. Oh, I'm sure it will. Yeah, and I'm sure it will happen, you know. Yeah, I do. I've got a good feeling about this one, Vaz, and you've got Auntie Jenny, 
just up the road <laughs> on the M6, promise. Listen, it's been just lovely to talk to you, and I mean that, Vaz, honestly. You're such a lovely Thank human you. being, and you just keep doing what you're doing. Um, and I've really, really enjoyed, you know, you, you're a wise soul, you. You definitely thank are. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. you. Oh, thank you. It's been lovely. The Hot Mess Mums Club with Swan. Thanks to Swan for sponsoring this episode. Now, if you fancy giving your home a bit of a refresh at the start of the year, then make sure you go and check out their Swan Retro range. Just visit swanbrand.co.uk today. 